heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Last week on this show, I asked the question, is America's time up? And I left that question largely unanswered because the answer is not simple. But I interviewed a candidate, Zach Nunn, from Iowa's 3rd Congressional District, who isn't ready to throw in the towel. In fact, he is ready to pick up the gauntlet and carry it over the finish line as America struggles to regain its mission. And today, I have another guest with another mission, towards the same end, but in a different way. Welcome to the Voice of a Nation. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, a patriot who speaks truth to power. Today, I want to do something different. I want to focus on what we can do at the grassroots. I spend a lot of time talking about our leaders and what they're doing wrong and sometimes what they're doing right. But we are not all running for Congress and we're not all born leaders. So on this show, I've talked a lot about how Americans are so deeply divided, how they have lost the ability to have civil conversations between those who think left and those who think right. And I believe, as you know, that this is not a sustainable situation. And if we continue down this path, then our nation, as we have known it, will not survive. So today, my guest is Rabbi Yossi Jacobson. Rabbi Jacobson is a Chabad rabbi to the Jewish community in Des Moines, Iowa. Now, Iowa has a very small Jewish community, only about 5,450 people, and they represent only about 1% of the population of the state, and yet they play an active role in the community from politics to education to social programs and more. So today, I have invited Rabbi Jacobson to have a conversation with me about how we communicate with each other when America is so deeply divided politically. Rabbi Jacobson is a man who leads by example, and that example, in my opinion, is well worth following. Rabbi Jacobson, welcome to the Voice of a Nation. Well, I am, I, I am the Chabad Lubavitch uh, representative to the state of Iowa, chosen by the, by the Rebbe, by Rabbi Schneerson, one of the last ones who were sent out while he was alive in a solar body, sent me and Chari to Iowa. You know, everything, when it comes to the Jewish people, we, we are the people of the book. We follow, we, we lead our lives according to the rules and regulations that the Almighty gave us in his holy word called the Torah or the Bible. And there's nothing clearer than the original Hebrew word that he used to communicate with us. So we, we have our marching orders from on high. We have 
our uh, the, the the vision. We have His will, and we have His love, and and everything we we are comes from the source of where it all comes from: love and discipline and kindness. Is 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 how we civilize the home He let us live in and invited us invited us in. So, when you know, actually, the, the the first letter of the Torah is the letter Bet, base, which is in a way the word bias, home. The first thing God Almighty says, "I welcome you to my home," and here is the whole creation. Here is where the pantry is. Here's where the field is. Here's where the the sunshine and the and the and and the, and the moon you could see from the window and you can eat all you want and here's the fruits and vegetables. He doesn't start off with laws. He starts off with inviting us to his home. He asks only one thing: don't play house in my home. Don't change anything. You know, observe and nurture it. Keep it the same way you got it. You should take care of it and and, and return it to me. And unfortunately, some people feel that uh, they uh, they need to play house in, in God's home on earth that he let us live on. And this is where we are. Are we here in this world to see it as God's home, as the greatest garden that he anointed us and chose us to, to care for it and bring out the best of it? Or we're going to see this world that we live in as a jungle. And everyone could do what they want and how they want and hurt who they want and say what they want and, uh, and change whatever they can. And, and the world is coming to an end and the world's going to hell. And, and how can I bring children in and, and get married? And, 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 and the world's going to end with me. So I, I personally look at all people on earth as my brothers and sisters. We come from the father of all fathers. We are all human beings, and we all have the power to communicate. The Rambam divides the creation into four patterns. The, lo- the first level is stones, rocks, soil, things that are there as a foundation but do not move. Then you have tzemeach, the things that grow from the soil. They grow from the ground and there's all the vegetation. And that's called someach, things that uh, spring out and blossom. Then you have chai. The next third level is life, animal, the animal kingdom. And all the birds in heaven. And then you have the highest level of midaber, the human race. And he calls it by the words midaber, which means those who know how to communicate. And once we stop communicating, that's where all the problems come in. That, that's really the sum of what we are having to deal with these days when we are so deeply divided as, as a country and even as a people. And the question that comes up more often than we would like and more often every day is, how do we communicate? How do we bridge this gap when we can't hold a civil conversation? What do we have to do to make the civil conversation happen so that we can not only express our own ideas to someone who doesn't share them, 
but we can listen to their ideas and maybe learn from each other. We came here to communicate the the historic history of the Jewish people that existed from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, our matriarchs, our patriarchs, and 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 the Jewish people are are of the uh, the family of the book of the Torah. We are, we are the family of the of, of of serving God throughout the shades and colors throughout the Jewish throughout the year. And there is uh, throughout the circle of our year, the full circle, there are many holidays and not just many holidays. There's also how we live every day, every ordinary day in an extraordinary way. And that is by by our commitment, by communicating heaven on earth and elevating earth to heaven. That's basically the triangle of the Star of David, the triangle going up, the triangle going down, and there you have it. You have six um, stars, which is, we come to know God is here, four corners of the world, and on heaven and earth. And, and that is the beauty that we're constantly, never, never, we never stop to remember and remind ourselves 24 7. That there's an eye that sees, and the ear that hears, and a hand that is writing down everything. Because he's the accountant of all accountants, the lawyer of all lawyers, and the doctor of all doctors, and the king of all kings, the Holy One be he. We were asked to come and represent and set up a Chabad Lubavitch of Iowa. The Chabad Lubavitch of Iowa's Judaic Resource Center to be a resource for everything of Torah and Judaism to everyone in their Jewish needs throughout the year. We came here September 92. So when I came here, that was the biggest question I had. How can we communicate to the Jewish community who were never raised with a true um, knowledge of Torah Judaism, how to live like a Jew every day? And how do we communicate Torah to the extended community, the non-Jewish, uh, our, our non-Jewish friends, uh, our, our, our non-Jewish community that we're so much a part of. So one of the things we did was, of course, we invited everyone to every holiday that we, we took it to the public arena so they could learn. And, and you know, uh, as I came up with this line of mine, if it's not in your face, it has no place. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, you know, communicating who I am and what we're here to represent and and and, uh, and representing the 613 commandments of God and being proud of it and the history of the 3,334 years of Jewish history to teach our people and to communicate, communicate it to them. So we tried so many different things, the menorah lightings and if it was uh, sending out the, the, the Purim kids or making Passover awareness, uh, bringing food in so people could have all the resources and all the Jewish food staples that, that they, they would need on that table. And before you knew it, that the idea came to really take this level of communication to a center is was to open up the first glatt kosher deli in Des Moines called Maccabee Kosher Deli. And it was to be able to communicate the, the Jewish way of life for all those who are interested, 
who are learning and need a resource. And we, we have helped hundreds of uh, high school kids and college students with their papers that they were writing on Jewish life, uh, interviews at the Delhi is almost uh, every day. People come in to ask questions or they're working on a paper from the Jewish community and non-Jewish community and, 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 and the videos they're making from their paper and the knowledge that they are uh, that they, they're maintaining and, and, and collecting to represent their, their, their choice of topic that they wanted to write about is, is, uh, is unbelievable. There's some dynamic material out there that has me and the interviewer of that particular paper that they're writing for the school or video they're making. Uh, I, I, I have become more inspired by those I inspire. It's <laughs> just uh, how they soak it up. And I, I, I get to see uh, a whole other side of, of our community that many other rabbis unfortunately don't get to see because I, I get to see the effort that is being made to communicate with the Jewish community and the knowledge of the Torah and, and, and the perspectives of our uh, stands that we take on every issue that the world struggles with in Torah, it's all clear as a sun in every issue. And some of the matters that we are clear on, it's hard for others to, to digest, but they know that this is the clarity. Rabbi, I've been talking a lot on this show about how deeply divided our nation has become and how important it is to somehow return to a point where we can begin communicating with each other with civility and a willingness to hear what other people think and believe, even those we disagree with and what they have to say. But you are already doing this on a daily basis. What are some of the issues that you can talk about in these interviews you mentioned that are divisive, and yet you are able to communicate in a civil and even educational way. So let's take, for example, when it comes to uh, abortion, in Judaism, there's no such thing of abortion. There's the commandment, the, one of the first commandments of the Torah is to be fruitful and to, be, and to multiply. We are the foundation of the next generation. And if we don't see ourselves that way, then there is no next generation. Then we are, we are ending our seed with us. And in the way, that would be considered committing suicide. You're not allowed to end your seed. You're not allowed to waste your seed. You're not allowed to waste yourself in any way. So our mission is to be a, a force of life. And, and, uh, and as a tree, just like, you know, a man is compared to a tree, and just like a tree from the trunk comes out many, many branches, and that gives fruit. If, if, if every trunk of every tree would decide we're not, we're, we're not going to let any branches come from us, we're going to cut it off, what is there to eat? What is, what is there to enjoy? Uh, I, I feel many people are, are cutting themselves away from their whole human cable to God, being human, be, be doing the human responsible thing. So getting married and having children is what we raise our children to look forward to. It's the greatest step and it's the greatest spiritual and physical foundation to bring the next generation. 
we we all know anyone that belongs to a, a synagogue or a church or has their principal foundation is family first. Parents is the number one teacher of the child. When parents are parenting, when parents are fully involved with their children's education, like one of the greatest Chabad rabbis says, just like putting on tefillin and keeping Shabbat is an obligation on every Jew, so is the obligation on every parent every day to talk to each other about their each one of their children's needs and their spiritual ranks of their uh, spiritual upbringing and physical upbringing and their emotional upbringing to literally discuss between themselves to communicate uh, are we doing the right thing for our child in the right way and an obligation for us is to do what's right in the right and the most comfortable and the most loving way so it's not just uh, throwing uh, values on our children and enforcing them and pointing it out for them so on and so forth it's growing with these values with them by them for them i'm talking to rabbi yossi jacobson and we've been talking about family values and the importance of raising our children with responsibility and love we will continue this conversation after the break i'm alana friedman sitting in for malcolm out loud and you're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. There are microbes in the air and they're in your house and the Genesis Fogger is the solution. This is a mobile fogger that uses a unique technology to give a non-toxic dry mist to cleanse the air and cleanse your rooms of microbes, whether they be bacterial, fungal, or viral, including SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. So go to the Genesis Fogger website and use the promo code OUTLOUD for a discount on your purchase of the model and get going with a cleaner house as there could be more microbes on the way. We're concerned about not only the current pandemic, but future ones. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Welcome back to The Voice of a Nation. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and I'm talking to Chabad Rabbi 
Yossi Jacobson, who represents Chabad in Des Moines, Iowa. We've been talking about family values and we will continue that discussion, but also we will discuss how to overcome the barriers to civil discourse that we meet every day in these difficult times. Rabbi, we were talking about family values and the importance of bringing up our children with a connection to the family. Rabbi, we're living in very difficult times. Our society is fragmented. How does bringing up our children with the values that you are describing, how does that help? Most of the problems and people that are the, the, the falling away in our society and slipping away and say jumping the gun or jumping the cliff are literally those who don't have a home base. They're somewhere out there. They are literally thrown in, into the world of social media. Their parents are busy working to uh, give their kids a life, but the kids never see the parents. All the kids see, the kids see more of what's going on in social media. They are literally uh, thrown in, into this sewer. And all the negative things you see are kids who are totally baseless. They are baseless from civilization. Their life is social media. And what's in social media? Social media, you see hatred of left people against right people. There's no human beings anymore. There's the right, there's the left, there's two Americas. There's the America that says responsibility and the America that says we want to do what we want, we want rights. They see on social media how there's a push to, to eliminate children. And children are not considered babies. They're considered not being in the mother's womb. They see how it's okay to, uh, to abort over 63 million children. They see guns. They see, they see these games that they are soaked in six, seven hours a day. You know, when I was a kid, we had to do the honey, the honey do's, the responsibilities, our homework, our learning. And then if after dinner, if we ate up all our vegetables, then we could watch Abbott and Costello for a half hour. <laughs> That is, so we had a little outlet, there was a little laughing, there was a little, you know, getting, getting away from, you know, the, 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 the to-dos and just freeing your mind. So that itself, even the social life came more with an as a framework of uh, freeing your mind, you know, hearing other people's perspectives. But that's about it, you know, a few cartoons. But today, it all became the life from, 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 from morning to night and, and, and homework and being real with your parents. It's totally not there. If we can't find a, a way to communicate to our children, how are they ever going to communicate to anybody? Children that have open communication with their parents have open communication with anyone they want to have communication with. Those who have no communication and the whole, those who are busy, uh, canceling their parents and divorcing. I, I had a girl come into our deli and told me she has no parents. So I thought uh, those parents uh, deceased, they died. I said, I'm sorry, how, how did they die? What happened? No, no, they're alive. So what do you mean you don't have parents? He says, I, I divorced them. I, I have the paperwork to show it. This is what they're communicating. I have the paperwork. And she starts taking that out of the envelope. 
some kind of judgment that uh, whatever. I, I, I couldn't even look at this because it's, it's chaos. Chaos. In other words, the, the, the best of communicating with her, her parents was to tell everyone how, how she has nothing to, she has no parents. I mean, you know, so obviously when there's a breakdown in the family, when there's a breakdown at the home base, there is no basis anymore. There's what? no game. There's no rules. There's no regulations. So, um, so there you are. So what we see today is uh, an outcome of children who are literally experiments to the social media womb, born from the social media womb. So when you see these kids shooting up a class of 22 kids, it's disappointing and terrible news to hear, but it's not shocking anymore. When the kid has been winded up, doesn't think for himself, doesn't even know he has a mind to think with and a heart to communicate with, and doesn't have the innocence, doesn't have the, the clarity of the mind and the purity of the heart, they are literally winded up toys, just shooting wherever they can shooting with their mouth, shooting with their guns, and, and this is the outcome. So do you talk about this? Is, this goes back to the breakdown in the family. How, how do you see that we can get out of this, this terrible trap that we have put ourselves in? Well, you know, communicating, realizing, realizing that we are here as guests, this is uh, not, not our world. It's a world that, that, that we come to live 70, 80, 90 years and to, to, to uh, live and help live, help people. And I, I can tell you what I did. I can't speak what everyone should do, but what me and my wife, we did from day one, our kids were born. We took care of them 24 hours. We raise them with, with, with the responsibility that they are to give everything they're receiving and share it with others. We gave them responsibilities. We took them to the hospitals when we went to visit. We had them sing songs to the patients. <laughs> we saw them smile when they made the patients when they were singing to smile. We, 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 we took them with us and, and, and brought them into our arena of how we're communicating I mean, you cannot imagine how much they picked up from my skills of communicating, and then they developed their own social communication, spiritual communication. They, they, they have the tools. They have the tools, and they have the responsibility, and they understand um, that it's better to be a giver and an influencer and, 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 and to be uh, eyes to guide people rather than to be the recipient. So all of them work, all of them have uh, and, and uh, are connected to an independence within themselves that they make healthy, good choices. And they have, some of them are married, some of them are looking to get married, and some of them are now just getting ready for their bar mitzvah. Okay. You know, being responsible and always talking to them and discussing with them how they see the different things going on and, and, and how we can help them get a better clarity. And they appreciate that, and they take that guidance and they share it with their friends. So you're you're not you're not separating from them every day, like you know, these parents. I don't have time to see my child take their first steps because I'm I'm busy working for them. You know, the child says, "Stop working for me and be there with me." Why should some 
uh, 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 housekeeper call the mother and father, guess what, uh, Henrietta? Uh, Jeremiah just took his first five steps today. We're missing out because we're, 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 we're using the, 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 the work arena to disconnect from our children. It's excuses. And we're using every type of excuse not to be there with us. I suppose the first thing that many people would say in response to what you're saying, Rabbi, is that they don't have the luxury of not being at work. They can't be at home because they don't have the kind of job that would enable them to be at home with their children. And in these difficult financial times, some people are working two jobs, and both parents are working because they have to. Let's bring this a little closer to home. Tell us about the parents that you meet in Iowa, how they deal with the family values that they believe in and want to instill in their children. Uh, many parents here in Iowa uh, do have their fam- the family values and are connected and are communicating with the kids. Many of them come to our deli to talk to me. Let's go to Robert Dagerson. Let's, let's see what he would say on this topic. So we're, we're, we're giving them the tools and the tools is giving them the words, giving them the best words that they could uh, express every situation. For example, I always tell people in the Torah, we have these words that heal and the words that kill, words that reveal and words that conceal. So we have to find the right words to bring out the, the, the most perfect message. And, and, and that is why uh, communicate, that's the power we have to communicate. When it says that God blew into the nostrils of man a living soul, the, 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 the breath of life, the commentaries say it was actually the power of communicating. So we need to teach our children how to use the greatest tool that defines us as a human being the tool of speech. And yet our children are not learning language in school. They're not learning grammar. They're not learning how to write language or to speak it properly. In fact, there are people who say that teaching black children grammar is racist. How do we overcome something like that? You said they. They is a small amount, a small group. The problem is that they you're talking about have unbelievable power and influence over our children. And it's the parents that are giving these people who are totally disconnected from their from, from the general values, and they are the ones who want to take care of our kids while they deny themselves ever having children. So this is this is the oxymoron. They they don't want their they don't want to bring in their own children into the world but they want to take full jurisdiction and, and, and full monopoly and full uh, dominance over your children because we have the right to tell your children what to do. And that is why in, 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 in the more committed you are to Jewish life, the more of a private school you will see as a value and as a goal and as a life mission to send your children. I am very much for the voucher system where there could be a privatization of schools that create more options for children and parents who want to go to a higher 
academic level, not to throw everyone in one pot. And it's all about teaching new ideas that have nothing to do with responsibility. It has to do literally of looking at the world as a jungle. Throwing ideas of telling children not to get married. Marriage is something that that you don't need to, or you, you, you don't need that responsibility. We are all here today because our parents were married, that their parents were married, that we, we were all each other's, the foundation to the next generation. Rabbi, you talked about your, your deli, Maccabees. There is a small Jewish community in Des Moines compared to the the larger population. Quite a number of your customers, I understand, are not Jewish. Right. How how does that work? What is your relationship with them and how do they how do they understand your role here? So well first of all, um, thank God, you know, we have word of mouth, which is again communication where uh, we have managed to uh, succeed with our deli and the deli is comprised with many different types of deli meats pastrami corned beef and uh, those are the greatest tools to communicate i mean we see it working you know i i was so desperate to communicate with the whole community the jewish and extended community that we opened up a deli where people could come and from all walks of life and i want to tell you I, I, I live off the people that come. I mean, I literally, uh, first of all, they come to support the only kosher establishment. I always tell people that the definition of a human being is someone who knows how to make good choices. And when you come to Makabi Delhi to have lunch, that shows how human you are. <laughs> you, you made a good choice. And uh, we have from the black community, we have even from the LGBT, we have all walks of life that come to the deli because I see them as I see myself. I am a human being. We come from one source. You are my brother and sister. And everything else you claim to be is nothing to do with me. I, I, I don't go there. You are a human being. Either you're a male or you're a female. And then there are those who are struggling with their identity. But when they're in front of me, I put them in a clarity that they are the greatest thing to live. They are a human being. They are the son or daughter of God Almighty. And we're here to to remember that because God never forgets us. And with a good sandwich and whatever they buy, they, they keep on coming back. And I'll tell you, uh, being in the deli all day and talking to so many different people from all walks of life, it doesn't take much of a good word to make their day a day. I even once asked one of the LGBT, you know, how did you hear about us? He says, well, in the social justice world and in the LGBT community, they have a list of friendly um, establishments and we're one of them. So I was, I was glad to know that, uh, that we are respected in a way that we look, we are a civilized establishment. Uh, which means we, we, we don't push any anything other than welcoming the person who is coming in. We treat everyone as I would want to be treated. And and I focus on that, and that brings out a, a, a human innocence out of everyone that defines them more than any other definition that they never define themselves. Literally just putting them in their own framework of innocence that they have and, and, and independence 
and they walk out bigger than just big, bigger than being LGBT or bigger than being black or white or whatever, because we we take it, we look at everyone how God looks at all, all of us, and all of us are carrying the gift of His blessing of life. How many people we know have not lived, uh, were taken from our midst in the last three years, two years. So we're all in this together. As long as we are all alive and well, we've got to strengthen ourselves. Each person is to live and help live and say strong, strong and get stronger uh, in your morale, in seeing the good in everything. Literally training people to see the good in everything. We're, we're one people on one, on one earth serving one God. Everyone through their individual way, couldn't be anything stronger than that. Rabbi Jacobson, your welcoming acceptance of everybody you meet sets an example for all of us. Your outlook on life is something we could all use a lot more of. So thank you very much for sharing this time with us. And if any of our listeners should happen to be in Des Moines anytime soon, Visit Rabbi Jacobson at Maccabees Deli and enjoy a corned beef sandwich and some sage wisdom from Des Moines' Chabad Rabbi Yossi. Now, after the break, I'll share some commentary on the latest news of the week. I'll talk about the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and why the Democrats' reaction to this is so absurd. I'll also talk about a subject that is not being given much attention right now, This has nothing to do with Ukraine. It has to do with Iran and Israel. And we had better not ignore it. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud on The Voice of a Nation. And we'll be right back. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Because of COVID-19, Many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients, like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. It tastes great, comes in a convenient squeeze gel pack, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back to The Voice of a Nation. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for our favorite host, Malcolm Outloud. In the first two parts of this show, I talked with Rabbi Yossi Jacobson, who has a very interesting take on how to overcome the differences that we face 
with our fellow Americans, how to converse in a civil way about things we disagree on. Rabbi Jacobson is an observant Jew. He is an Orthodox Jew. He is a Chabad rabbi sent to Des Moines, Iowa to serve the Jewish community there. But he serves a much larger community with his glot kosher, that means very kosher, delicatessen, which appeals to all members of the local community, and he welcomes them all with grace and humility. This is a lesson for all of us as we try to navigate the rough waters of today's hostility and open hatred that we're now seeing every day, everywhere in America. The division is deep and wide, and sometimes it seems insurmountable. So I want to talk a little bit about one of the issues that has brought this hostility out into the open in a big way. And I want to talk about it because it's an issue that is not going away, and at the moment, it is just heating up. I'm talking about the Supreme Court decision to overturn the Roe v. Wade decision of 1973. That decision put the weight of constitutional approval behind the practice of abortion. Conservatives applauded this decision because they value the lives of the unborn and they consider abortion a form of murder, of infanticide. But Americans on the left are furious. They feel betrayed after 50 years of legal, federally approved abortion. They claim that the court has stripped them of what they call their constitutional right to abortion, of what they call their absolute control of their bodies. Now, on one level, that all makes sense. Of course, we should all have control over what happens to our bodies. But there's a bigger issue involved, and this did not come up in the court case, by the way, but there is another life involved. It is not just the life and, and body of the pregnant woman, the woman who is carrying the what will be a new baby, but it is the baby itself. And, and the question of at what point does this new life become a baby, a life that needs to be saved? That's another issue, and the court didn't deal with that, because what is plain and simple about this court decision is that it only had to do with constitutional relevance. It wasn't about personal choices, and it wasn't about the freedom to have an abortion or not. It was about the Constitution and what that means with regard to the interpretation of the law and who is responsible for making the law. The role of the American judicial system is clearly defined in Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution. That says, quote, The judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising from this Constitution, the laws of the United States, and treaties made or which shall be made under their authority. Unquote. Later on, in the 1803 case of Marbury v. Madison, the court's power of judicial review was confirmed when Chief Justice Marshall stated plainly that the Supreme Court's responsibility to overturn unconstitutional legislation was an essential part of its sworn duty to uphold the Constitution. 
There was no other way that their oath could be fulfilled. He said, quote, it is emphatically the province of the judicial department to say what the law is, unquote. And so, since 1803, it has been the role of Supreme Court to interpret the law through the lens of the Constitution and the intent of the men who wrote it. Now, there is also precedent for overturning a previous decision in the light of new information or an enlightened view of society that demands it. John Jay, who was the first Chief Justice, clarified this when he refused to advise President George Washington on the constitutional implications of a proposed foreign policy decision. He told the President that the court does not give advisory opinions, it only decides specific cases. So when the Supreme Court rules on a constitutional issue, that judgment is virtually final. Those decisions can only be changed by a constitutional amendment or by a new ruling of that court. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is now threatening to override the court's decision by passing a new law ensuring a woman's right to abortion. But that's not possible under the way we operate now and have for 240 years. According to the Constitution, this can only be done when the court rules on a statute, not on a constitutional issue. And Roe versus Way was clearly a constitutional issue. But that little bit of legal reality has not stopped the public outroar from the left. The streets of our major cities are filled with screaming women hurling obscenities at the court, the six justices who ruled against Roe v. Wade, and anyone else who dares to object to their behavior. So here we are. The court has ruled, the left is revving up its engines for violent insurrection, the real kind this time, because they refuse to understand what the court just did. It's pretty simple, really, but logic is not a part of their consideration right now, if ever. The court simply said this, this is not a constitutional issue. Nowhere in the Constitution is there any mention of abortion, and the Tenth Amendment in the Bill of Rights clearly says, quote, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people, unquote. So this is an issue for the court's of each individual state, and that is exactly what the Supreme Court just said. They turned the legal decision of whether or not to allow abortion back to the individual states, and that is all they did. They didn't deprive anyone of the right to abortion. They didn't make it illegal. They simply said that it is up to the states, not to the federal government, period. Yet the champions of the left are streaming into the streets, crying, screaming, carrying signs and throwing tantrums, all against the Supreme Court ruling, and against the conservative judges individually who sit on the court. And I'm afraid it's going to get much worse before it gets better. I don't know any other way to characterize this except to call it collective insanity. And it isn't likely to stop anytime soon. The president isn't going to stop it. Even if he could, he wouldn't. The vice president, Kamala Harris, is worse than useless because she hasn't a clue 
and I believe she is frankly terrified of the mobs that are creating mayhem in the streets, even though she seems to be urging them on. But then there is Nancy Pelosi, who is supposed to lead her party as Speaker of the House and leading the country in the ways of democracy. She's instigating it, encouraging it, inflaming it. Greater irresponsibility cannot be imagined. And to think that she is third in line for the presidency after the hopeless, hapless, and utterly useless Vice President Kamala Harris. America, which is supposed to be the greatest nation in the world, and was until January 2021, is now the laughing stock of the world, the toothless tiger, the eagle with the broken wing. And it is, we are, perceived as a current threat to no one. You just can't make this stuff up, and it's tragic. And here's a heads up on another crisis just waiting in the wings. Word is now that Iran has 350 pounds of nuclear material that they are preparing to load onto missiles aimed at Israel. And not just from Iran. They are preparing missiles for Hamas in Gaza, which is to Israel's south, and Hezbollah in Lebanon and Syria to Israel's north to attack simultaneously against the Jewish state. And the word is that this may happen as soon as only a few weeks from now. Another war under Biden's watch because of his weakness and his inability to be a strong president for a strong country. The time is right from Iran's point of view. The war in Ukraine is demanding the world attention. Biden's government is a toothless tiger. And who is there to stop them? Well, there is Israel, for one. This tiny country, locked between enemy nations with only the Mediterranean Sea as a friendly border, but a will to live that is unequaled in human history. This is a nation, a people, that has existed in spite of all enemies that tried to annihilate them year after year, century after century. And they survived for thousands of years. Thousands. They have today one of the strongest armies in the world, even though it's very small. And they have already carried out large military exercises to practice for a preemptive strike on Iran's nuclear facilities to neutralize them before they can fire their nuclear missiles. But this is a huge task, particularly if attacks are coming not only from Iran, but from the North and the South as well, and all at the same time. If you look at a map of the entire Middle East, let's say from North Africa to Iran, just try to find Israel on the map. It's a tiny speck on the east coast of the Mediterranean between Lebanon and Egypt. The total land area of Israel is slightly over 8,000 square miles. 8,000. That's smaller than the state of New Jersey. The entire country could fit in the middle of Lake Michigan and never touch a shoreline. The total area of the Muslim states in the Middle East, however, is more than 5 million square miles. Or compare the size of Israel to just Iran. 
Iran is more than 636,000 square miles. In other words, Iran is nearly 80 times bigger than Israel. And from a population standpoint, the Muslim countries that are included in what I referred to before as the Middle East has a population of 403 million people, while Israel has a total population of just 9.2 million people. So who is the aggressor here? Iran, whose population is more than 77 million, is aiming its nuclear weapons at this tiny country that is 75 times smaller in size and whose population is nearly 77 times smaller. But that is not even the most important message here. If Iran should attack Israel, this would likely be the beginning of World War III and the end of dreams for millions of people. Never have America's strength of purpose and fundamental values been more important than they are today. And never has such a weak administration been at the helm in such a dangerous time. A weak president supported by a corrupt and deeply divided Congress will not stop this attack. Iran feels emboldened by the sloppy and lazy response that America had toward Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And it would be reasonable for Iran to expect no less if it were to attack Israel. What Iran can reasonably expect is endless debating in Washington, a belated response to Israeli expectations of assistance, and in the end, the destruction of the Middle East's most productive and democratic country in the entire region. But, my friends, do not give up on Israel. The Jews are a hardy people. They've been around for thousands of years, and they fought long and hard to come back to their land from which they were sold in slavery 2,000 years ago. They are not about to give up now. They have what it takes to fight back against the rabid tyranny of Iran and its surrogates. They have the weapons and the equipment and the manpower and an incredible intelligence force. They also have nuclear weapons to match Iran's, and they are already on alert. And they, just like the Ukrainians, will fight to the last man and woman for the land they call their own. Now, the Middle East is no place to look for either logic or common sense. So why would we expect Iran to realize that if they were to deploy nuclear weapons to wipe out Israel, they would also wipe out the people they call the Palestinians who live in Israel. The nuclear bombs and the fallout from them would also destroy all of Gaza, parts of Egypt, parts of the Sinai Peninsula, parts of Saudi Arabia and Jordan and Syria and Lebanon. And the fallout would also contaminate the Mediterranean Sea which provides food not only for the Middle East, but for Europe and North Africa as well. Iran's nuclear bombs would also destroy the third holiest site in Islam, or so they say, which is what we call the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Why would they do that? For the Israelis, it would be another holocaust. 
But a nuclear attack on Israel would also infect the entire region of nuclear fallout, and the number of Muslims who would die agonizing deaths from the fallout would far exceed the number of Jews who would die as a result of an Iranian nuclear attack. So if Iran should attack, as it seems to be getting ready to do, then we should understand that neither logic nor common sense apply, and that the results could be catastrophic, even though they make no sense at all. What we're seeing is a precursor of this war in Ukraine. What Putin thought was going to be a small conflict over a three or four day period has now lasted for months. And even though his war of annihilation took a terrible toll on a country that was only a few months ago alive and vibrant, this war is already in its fourth month and with no end in sight. And just like the Ukrainians, the Israelis will not give up. They will fight with everything they have for as long as it takes. If Iran attacks Israel, all bets are off and we'd better be ready for whatever comes next. This is a crazy world we live in. The best we can hope for is that sanity will prevail and the war to end all wars can be averted by people who understand the cost of war the value of civil resolutions, and the strength to make them happen. Well, that hour went by quickly. Thank you for sharing it with me. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and you've been listening to the Voice of a Nation on the America Out Loud Network. <laughs>